Future Hacker Life Path Future. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second episode with Ambassador Johanna Brismar Skoog. So, Johanna, let's begin the second episode uh, with one of my very favorite topics. It's basically about how our educational system needs to change to keep up with all the advancements, right? So we have all those uh, really fast changes and technology advancements and innovations and a new generation that is working in a completely different way. They, they basically has a, they have a different ship than what we have. But still, at least here in Brazil, you see the very same old archaic educational system that, you know, is based on memorizing and hierarchy and things like that, right? So... The Swedish education model, on the other hand, and it's, it's a global example. So I love if you could cover maybe the top lessons and maybe you don't find it still the perfect way, but you're headed into a more advanced direction than we are. So not only I'd like to know the, the top lessons, but also what do you think it could be improved on your side as well? Oh, thank you very much. I think education is crucial for any country that wants to develop. I think we need to put much more resources on that. And that's in Brazil, in many other countries and in Sweden too. We're not perfect at all. And I think education is also a constantly evolving topic. We need to look at, okay, where are we now? How can we improve what is not working? Because circumstances change, classes get bigger. Can we have that new areas or topics come up that we need to cover? You know, the whole technology field uh, has changed so much that we need that needs to get into education too. On the other hand, can we let that crowd out issues like art and music and gymnastics? Probably not, because that also contributes to enriching the individual. And uh, we know that moving is, is good. So we're, we're constantly looking at, you know, tweaking the system. But I think we, we, we need to have good quality education for all. We need to ensure that the teachers are qualified and well-paid, that it's a good job. And we need to ensure that they also have time to support the students, that the students can grow individually. I think that's very, very important. Critical thinking becomes even more important in today's society. We need to be able first to, to recognize what is fake and what is true. How can we assess a fact and information that we're faced with? And I think also uh, creative thinking, you know, working in projects, working in groups, both to learn to collaborate with others. We need to be able to do that because that's what it's all about when we get into uh, our um, working lives. But we also need to learn to use what we are learning in school to apply it in real life situation. And that could be in a project, uh, you know, in this project, what do I need to highlight? What is prioritized? And what can I leave at the sign? And that, that kind of learning experience, developing experience is very, very important. Are we there yet? No, not yet. I think also, I, be, I believe that it's very important to mix in other issues. In Sweden, kids learn to sew and uh, use a sewing machine and knit, but they also uh, learn to do woodworking. It's not very much, but it's uh, like an hour a week in middle school. And we also learn to cook, cooking classes, uh, things like that. Again, not very much, but just to make us more functional members of society, uh, to stand on our own legs, to be able to move out and live alone, a bit like that. I think that's important too. Language is crucial. Swedish is a small language. Again, 10 million people speak Swedish. 
And if we want to interact with the rest of the world, we need to speak at least English, but hopefully also another language, uh, French, German, Spanish, uh, Mandarin, uh, Russian, Arabic, the languages that are coming. So there's a lot of emphasis on that too. Uh, math, physics, the STEM areas, something that we forget a lot and, and that sometimes is thought to be too complicated, too um, burdensome, too much work. Uh, I, I hate math and things like that, but we need to make it fun. Uh, we need to make people understand that this is a key. This is opening up so many doors and you will always find a job as an engineer. So I think we need to put more emphasis on that too. Really great points. Thank you so much. I could talk about this for hours, as you notice. I will not do that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I didn't get to the lifelong learning and I didn't get to the opportunity of, no, which is another important thing. Uh, we need to be able to uh, to continue our journey, no? Because we need to continue to develop as, as adults, as employed, uh, as employees and as people too. This is mandatory, right? It's like we, we can't evolve without it. Yes. So really, you're spot on. I love it. Okay, so let's go back to the entrepreneurship environment. So Stockholm uh, has become a hub for startups, right? It's, it has been growing very fast. It's said that the startups there, they have a better success rate than the average. And to mention again, Skype and Spotify. So what do you consider the main reasons for that? So you did mention in the beginning, and it was actually, it's going to be one of, of my questions, like how they overcome the challenges, like the high cost of living, high taxations and talent acquisition. So high taxations, you already mentioned that you do have special incentives for people that are starting out their businesses. So what other points could you mention that made, you know, Stockholm the, the hub that the city is today? I think one very interesting, uh, and this is going back in time a bit, one, one very interesting thing was that Sweden, the Swedish government was very early on digitalization by providing computers. So you will get a tax incentive if you bought a computer to your home, which made many people that otherwise would have gone that way get a computer. And you also would find computers at youth houses, you know, the after school activity houses. So a lot of kids started playing around with computers and starting learning programming, hacking, uh, just having fun. And we have a whole generation, uh, both Skype and especially Spotify. Daniel Ek, he comes from that tradition, playing around uh, when he was 14, both with music, because he loved that, and with computers. So that's one of the explanations. I think also we mentioned that tax system is generous to new startups and entrepreneurs, but also the social welfare system is there to catch you. So people dare to take the chance to actually go out, start a company, take a leave of absence. Uh, they know that if I fail, the cost is manageable. So you, you still have a good health system behind you? you the health system is there. You can get other kind, you can get welfare support, even you could get a allowances for being laid off if you're laid off on your job, etc. So this is a safety net catching you. You also have the parental leave possibilities and things like that. Not that you can use it for starting a company, but it's also, again, the safety net. And I think that's been also been said to be a very important factor. People dare to, you know, leave their security and go out and step out. And then because they know they can come back again. It's, and it's easy to start a company in Sweden. It doesn't cost anything. I can go in and I start a company in 
I think I can do it on the internet. It takes me an hour or something. So it's, it's easy to start up. Great, great. So, Johanna, making a positive impact in the world. I think that we, we, are, we are in this transition still that, you know, the companies are still considering maybe a, a competitive advantage or use for, you know, communicating to, to make your brand appear good. But soon this is going to turn into an obligation, right? So it's not going to be a choice anymore. It's an obligation. Like you, you either do it or people are just not going to be investing in your brand, right? We are still, I believe, in this turning point, right? So people behavior is changing. Like the next generations, they're starting to have very different values. So ownership is not going to be that much value. Like owning a car, why would I want a car if I can just rent a car or just share or, or you know, take public transportations and things like that. So the values are going to be different. Which industries you feel, and again, I'm just talking about by your experience, your feelings, you're not committing yourself, okay? But which do you feel that uh, will be, they're starting already, they're starting to get prepared, you're seeing that, right? And which do you think they're going to be completely disrupted by the new players that may not even exist today? And we have seen that happening. We have seen, you know, Netflix do that, Spotify do that. But now it's it's way beyond digital. We are talking about any that is going to get completely... Do you feel that there are some industries that are already learning? It's all, we're talking about innovation at the end, right? Because you have to be able to properly innovate to get there, or you're just going to be done. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And I think uh, at least in, in Sweden and Stockholm, we already see this development. We see that people are sharing cars, carpooling in different ways now instead. Not only Uber, but actually pooling cars. We see it with things like lawnmowers or you know big household investments, sewing machines, lawnmowers, uh, chainsaws, and things like that. How it's also moving into more of a sharing economy where who wants to own it if you can borrow it or rent it at a cheap price. So that's that's going to happen for, and that is already happening for big household investments. But I think also that with automation uh, and AI. In general, we will have a big transition. You know, a lot of jobs that we see uh, today, like truckers, for example, will we need those in the future when we have automated trucks? Yeah, self-driving trucks, yeah. Yeah. In the supermarkets, do we need cashiers? In many places in Sweden, you scan your own things and then you scan the receipt and you go out when you paid. So it's you don't need to interact with anyone. It was very convenient during <laughs> during the pandemic because it actually was uh, was good for the um, the girls and boys working in the cashier's desk too. And and I think once we start thinking of what can be automated, we will see that that will be changed. A lot of people are afraid of this because you can see, I mean, the truckers, the cashiers, the, the receptionists, etc. But what we've seen is that you take away the low-paid, maybe dangerous jobs, ergonomically dangerous too, and it changes into something new. You will have a new job instead. So uh, taking away one employment opportunity doesn't mean that all these people will go without job. It will, it will develop into uh, new opportunities, more qualified jobs, and hopefully more interesting jobs. And that's why education is so important, right? Because probably more operational and, you know, the... Probably they will be operating the machines behind that, or right? Exactly, exactly. Or they might change to something completely different because I think that we, uh, you know, uh, programmers didn't exist 50 years ago in the same way. And now we have a whole cater of, of professionals that do nothing but program and uh, develop. So 
we find new ways. So let's go over artificial intelligence. You did mention a couple of times, right? So a key element, a key element for, for making the best use of AI is through diversity and qualification, right? So education, qualification, and diversity. Or else we'll just be feeding this biased system that will continue to copy you know, this broken society. So whichever gender, whichever gaps that we're working on, if you just take this data and put it out there, it's going to be the same thing all over again. So Brazil is surely a diverse country lacking inclusive qualification. And then please correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine Sweden is spot on qualification, but maybe not so diverse. Not, not talking about gender equality or anything, but talking about cultural mix. And again, uh, I may be completely ignorant in that subject, so please correct me here. But I'm just provoking that because maybe this is just a great room for collaboration to address what we are lacking here and you guys on the other side. So there's amazing room for collaboration between countries to, to, to do it right, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, again, you know, we've seen the, the um, problems with facial recognition systems not being able to uh, distinguish between people of color, for example, because they're so trained on male, white men. Sweden is more diverse than you would think because we've taken in a lot of immigrants, refugees. I think actually 15% of the population is now from another ethnic background and then Swedish, if you could say that. Many first generation, second generation and third generation Swedes. But I still think that we could do much better and we need more collaboration in this. And I think that would be a super interesting uh, opportunity to work with Brazil because you are one of the most diverse countries when it comes to ethnicities that you can find. Uh, everything is here. So I'd say I, I would uh, strongly yeah, encourage that. Great, great. Let's, let's talk a little about the future. There's now this new trendy term, the metaverse, but at the end it's just being used to address this super, super hyper-connected future that online and offline, you're going to have the digital instead of digital, physical with digital, holograms, VR, AR. So with 5G, there's so many things that could happen that are going to put online and offline completely connected, right? So with this, there's this increasingly concern with cybersecurity. And really, almost every week I hear about a either a hospital, a lab, or, or all types of companies are suffering ransomware, all those attacks, and, and, you know. So do you think that, you know, both governments and companies are getting ready as they should? No, I don't think so. I don't think we understand even uh, a quarter or 1% or of what's uh, going on out there. And I think we we are facing an enormous challenge when it comes to, to cybersecurity and how to secure systems that can survive attacks. And we've seen lately devastating consequences of, of just some ransomware attacks. I'm thinking of the one in the US, which affected the whole uh, gas uh, situation on the East Coast. We had another one in Sweden not that long ago. Uh, actually, it wasn't in Sweden, but it was a server that served some Swedish supermarkets, which meant that uh, the payment system went down. So people couldn't pay. So the whole shop had to close down. So the whole system was, you know, the grocery store was closed. It's a vulnerability that we need to tackle it. I don't know how, because on the one hand, we do want more, more automation, more easier solutions in our daily lives. On the other hand, we want both our personal security as individuals 
And I'm thinking a recent study just the other day came out in Sweden and said that 90% of Swedes are worried about online security for their own privacy. But we also, there's a limit to how much supervision we can have from the government side, because there's also our personal integrity from the government. It's not only the big tech companies. So I think this is a very, very thorny area. And I'm not sure where we should discuss it, who should be in charge. We see governments changing positions quickly. And would I want my government to, to control everything? Probably not, because it's also my integrity, security in my, my personal life and how it affects. And so I think that's for your next podcast to uh, find a true expert on this one. We're keeping the discussion going, right? Because there's something people have to keep thinking about, right? It's exactly. <laughs> we need to discuss it. We need to be aware of it. And we need to find ways of tackling it because we're building societies that are extremely vulnerable. What happens to the water system if someone hacks the water the water supply? Electricity, we're incredibly dependent on electricity for heating, for, for uh, cooling, for just survival. People were buying toilet paper during the pandemic, but the things that would actually break down are the other. Yeah, I mean, we should be more afraid of what happens if there's no electricity because supply has been hacked. Yes, it's, it's, it's really, it's insane. Okay, so I have a last question for you. Less, and then I will let you go, right? <laughs> okay, sure. I'm ready. So innovation and technological advancements should go hands in hands with ethical and moral discussions, right? So we can have, you know, proper policies, safeguards in place to ensure a safer future, to ensure we are headed into a more inclusive society, right? But some countries like China invest heavily in advancements, not always with such safeguards in place. They do it first to then figure it out later, right? So my it's not an easy question, but you know, how to compete in this very same race of you know, getting there, of being innovative, of you know, being able to, to provide solutions in which the rules are not the same for the players? How do you see the balance between allowing innovation to happen and protecting humanity? That's a huge question. <laughs> It's a huge question. But I think we need, we need to have our moral compass as individuals, right, to start with, no? I mean, it's, it's, it's an individual's responsibility not to start doing things which are not ethically or morally correct. We also need to have basic rules, at least in, in our societies, where we can have them in Sweden and Brazil and other countries that, that want to have these rules. And uh, we need to enforce them. And I think also in the end, we need to just to prove that our system is working better. And I think we can do that in many ways. Uh, we were talking about diversity in the workplace as, as one way of showing. I think that's we were talking also about what the consumer demands, the consumer demands good behavior. We've seen that in, uh, when it comes to CSR standards. I remember uh, some years ago when Nike was blocked because child labor was uh, rumored to have happened in their companies. IKEA had an issue with carpets, I mean, like 30 years ago, maybe in, in Pakistan, where the child labor involved. Now we follow with, with these companies, we follow down to the uh, farmer that grows the cotton or the cow that grazes Is it grazing on the right territory or not? So I think as consumers, we're also becoming more and more demanding. And when we know the consequences of, of buying a product from a certain producer, from a certain country, from a certain um, production way, we should be aware. It's our, again, comes back to our responsibility as consumers. 
That said, sanctions, is that the best way? I'm not sure. There are other ways of doing it. As, as individuals, you can do things better, I think. Some cases, yes, thank you, sanctions, but uh, rules-based. And, and for many countries, it's more interesting to be inside the system than to be outside in the end. No? It's, um, it benefits your own population, it benefits the companies, and it benefits uh, ultimately the governments too. This is a very diplomatic answer, <laughs> but, but it's, a, it's a very difficult issue and something that we're seeing in, in many uh, sectors every day. We see pressures also around it from, from governments on companies that either do right or companies that do wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly, from pro- private companies as well. And no, I think that as long as people are informed and educated about things that are going on around them, then uh, a fair discussion will be you know, we'll be able to have a fair uh, and a qualified discussion about it. So it was such, such a pleasure to have you you on the show. And, you know, I, I'd like to reinforce to everybody, if you're interested, for sure, when, when this interview is live, part of the week will have already started. So make sure, if you're interested, to go to Sweden in Brazil channel in YouTube. So I'm going to say the name in Portuguese is Suécia no Brasil. If you have a, a, an English version of the channel, let us know, unless it's Suécia no Brasil. I, I see that all the content is, is getting uploaded there. And I wish you the best of success during this week. It was such a great participation. You're always going to be welcome back. If you have any uh, final thoughts, please, uh, the word is yours. No, just to say that the content, a lot of the content is available in English too, and it's uh, subtitled in both languages. So whether you're English speaking, Portuguese speaking, you will find something that is attractive for you. And just, just to underline again, the value of education, research, uh, technology and innovation for our societies. But thank you very much. This is such a great opportunity and great questions. Very challenging, but it's good to be challenged, I think. So thank you very much and, and good luck with everything. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future.